you have divine destiny from God. And so if you take your Bible out, turn to Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6, and uh, we're going to go here in a second. I want, I want to read this, so as you're turning there, um, if, you, if you've missed the last few weeks of, the, of this series, you can go online, uh, www.rockfillag.com, and go to the podcast, and you can listen to the message. I strongly encourage you, if you've, maybe you're working in the nursery or whatever, and you, or you miss a service because you were sick or you were actually working, uh, you can just go to our website, and even you can go to, to iTunes and go to podcast. Type in Rockville Assembly God and, and all the sermons that have been uploaded will come up under the podcast under iTunes and so that you can listen to, your, to the messages. Not because it's me, but it's because faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the Word of God. Amen? And so if you can listen to messages from the Lord throughout the week, you're going to be better off. Amen? Father, we receive the Word gladly today. Speak to us, Spirit of God. Encourage us, empower us, change us, challenge us. Move us forward in you, God, because that's what you want to do. You have divine destiny for everyone. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 39, verses 1 through 6 says this. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph and he prospered and he lived in the house of, of his Egyptian master. Check this out. When his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that, he, and, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he entrusted to his care everything he owned. Listen to this. From, from the time he put him in charge of the household and all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So he left in Joseph's care, everything he had, um, everything he had with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food that he ate. Of course, it goes on and says that Joseph was well built and handsome, but that's for another sermon, okay? So this morning, let's talk about, remember Joseph last week, we talked about the pit test. He was in the pit. His brothers uh, wanted to kill him and put him in the, in, in the pit. They end up slaving, selling him to slavery. Uh, he's now... And he becomes a slave. You know, unfortunately, that's something that's happened from the beginning of time. And unfortunately, it still happens today. Uh, we just call it human trafficking today, okay? And so what happens now, he, he goes from the pit. He goes now and he works for Potiphar. And, and, and all that he does, he, he's obviously learned some lessons. He's humbled. And God is with him. Even though he's a slave, God is with Joseph. And God prospers everything Joseph does. And Joseph... Is, is a good steward of all that God gives him. And we're going to look at that here for a few minutes. So, how many of you know, doing the right thing sometimes takes extra time and it's costly, right? Doing the right thing, sometimes it just takes extra time and it might be costly, but it's always rewarding. There's a story, in fact, the series that I've got is, I've gotten this from Pastor Rob Morris, and he talks about him and his wife, Debbie, were running late to catch a flight. And they were running, many of you have been there, they're in their car, they're parking in the, in the parking lot, and they're in a hurry, and they're backing in, and they have this trailer hitch sticking out, and they bump into the car that's behind them, and they get out, and they look, and they're, man, we're in a hurry, we just don't have time. They look, and the, and the scratch is nominal looking, and, you know, the car is beat up anyway that they've bumped into, and they're like, you know what, we don't have time, let's just go. So they grab all their luggage, they start running to get there, and in a few minutes down, you know, the past, Rob Moore says, you know what, I can't do that. I can't do this. I've got to be a good steward of everything. So he turns around, they write a note, and, and uh, put it on the car saying, sorry, here's our phone number, and, you know, call us, we will deal with it. They end up missing their flight, 
But he said the good news is he was a good student of what God told him to do and he spent time with his wife. They had a nice lunch at the airport and they got him the next flight. But it cost him missing his flight. And you see, sometimes in this world we think, well, it's just a little thing. It's not a big deal. It's not that important. But you know what? Little things are important. Especially when God puts you in stewardship of little things. Amen? So the first thing, let's talk about this. Let's look at the palace test. Let's look at being a good steward of what God places you in and where you're at and the things He gives you. Number one, the palace test. Learning good stewardship. Learning good stewardship. In fact, then Luke chapter 16, I believe I have the screen up here. Write it down. Good stewardship. Luke 16, 10 through 12 says this. Listen, this is the words of Jesus. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. That's, that sounds pretty simple, right? Jesus says, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So, if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? That's a whole other sermon right there. Uh, and if we have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? So these are the words of Jesus, right? Jesus said, I, I've, God has given you little things, and if you're faithful with those little things, you'll graduate to be able to be in good stewardship of bigger things or better things, right? He says, but if you're not good with the little things and you get more, you're still not going to be good with other things. In fact, God, in fact, he doesn't equate just human resources, but he says, if you can't handle the treasures of this world, what makes you think you're going to handle true riches from God? And whenever we think of riches, we think of money. And we've got to get that out of our mind. Riches are beyond that. You can be rich in faith, rich in friends, rich in, in wisdom, rich in knowledge, amen. And yes, you can be rich in things as well. But here it is, okay, this is what Jesus says. He says, I'm giving you a little bit. How many of you know it's easy to get, get discouraged when you just have a little bit, right? And you see your friends prospering, you see co-workers prospering. It's easy to get discouraged, right? Come on, you're, you're driving a Ford Pinto, it's barely, you got duct tape on it, some of you don't even, a, a Yugo, whatever it is, you got duct tape on it and the muffler is falling, you know, and the, the next person drives in the latest car and it does, does all of it, and you're like, man, it must be nice. And they're, you know, you're like, well, I don't know, I have something like that. Well, do you even polish your Ford Pinto or your Yugo? Do you even take it in for oil changes? Do you, do you try to make it look nice or you just complain about it? Amen? That's good stewardship or bad stewardship. And so, so it's easy. And, and sometimes when you might be in a dead-end career or a dead-end job, you think, man, God, I, I can't stand this job. And, uh, and God says, man, I gave it to you, but you're not a good steward of it. I can't move you on until you learn to appreciate what I give you. This is good preaching, right? Right out from the beginning. Wow, right? Awesome, right? You come to hear the Word of God, right? But it's easy to get discouraged. But be on notice. Listen to me, man. God is watching how we respond on the stuff He gives us. And I catch myself all the time. You know, a stupid car, this stupid door, and um, you know, this and that. And, then, and God reminds me, hey, I gave that stupid thing to you. I go, oh, Lord, why are you always right? I want to be right once in my life, okay? And I repent. And you see, God gives you everything and we complain about it constantly, Right? And we wonder why we don't step up to the next thing. It's because we're not happy, we're not a good steward of that stupid thing God gives us. And so you've got to get over that, amen? I've got to get over that. And you see, God is watching us and saying, how do you handle these little things? Are you grateful for them? Are you taking good care of them? Are you doing your best with them? Are you griping and complaining about them the whole time? And you wonder why you've not got a job promotion. 
in years. Stop talking about the boss. Stop complaining about your stupid computer. Stop griping. Do the best you can with what you have at work. Amen? You see, Joseph didn't complain. He did. And he prospered. Amen? Good preaching, right? You see, this is the test of stewardship. And Joseph passed it. You see, he was delivered from the pit. He goes into, into his glorious destiny, but he had to be a good steward of this time in Potiphar's house. And you see, every one of us would love to go into our glorious destiny, but you have to go through this test of stewardship first. Amen? Young people coming in, going into high school, middle school, going into college and a career, you can't always land that $500,000 job right out of college. You have to pay your dues. Coming out of tech school, you're not going to land that management position or you're not going to be the owner of a business right away. You have to pay your dues. It's called being a good steward of the things that God gives you along the way. And also being a good steward of someone else's stuff that God puts in your hands. And Boy, I don't know about you, but when, I, when, when I've been in the work field and in the church, I try to be a good steward of everything God gives us. And it really drives me crazy when you have a coworker who could care less about the stuff that, that the company gives you. And they're like, well, you know, I work for the government. They'll just buy more. Or, 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 you know, my boss, he's rich. He can just buy more stuff. And they break stuff. And they're like, whatever, I don't care. So, you know, you're not a good steward. And that's, God doesn't appreciate when you and I have that attitude. You need to take good care of what you're given. Amen? Tools, computers, software, uh, in charge of people. You need to be good steward of that. Amen? Well, this is good stuff, right? Because, see, again, God is watching whether or not you can be trusted with the little things before He'll give you the greater things. And God wants to move you the greater things, but you have to learn the lesson of being a good steward of the little things. Amen? What are you doing with the job He's given you? How are you treating the boss He's given you? Well, my boss is a pagan. That doesn't matter. God wants you to serve the pagan. Joseph was serving a pagan boss. I mean, the, 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 at that time, the Egyptians were, were, had many gods. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. My boss is Satan's son. Then you need to serve him godly. You know, don't serve him satanically, but you need to serve him godly. Amen? Are you a good steward? Will you be faithful with another person's goods, even if the person is an unbeliever? God is watching you. And your next step, your next blessing, your next promotion, your next thing in life is all dependent upon how you're being a good steward of what you have right now. Amen? And so, for you to pass this, this test of stewardship, then you will move into destiny. Check this out, Colossians 3. This is talking about if you have a boss or a company or a work that you don't like. Colossians 3, 22-25. Bond servants, we'll talk about that in a second. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. For you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done and there is no partiality. You're like, wait a minute, Pastor. I am not a slave. I am not no bond servant. Yes, you are. Do you work for a paycheck? You're a servant of that company. And he's saying, we can make this into, into, into common English vernacular. You can take bond servant out. You can say worker, employee, whatever it is. You can change it out. And, and it says here, are you being a good steward of that? God is watching you. 
And you should do it as unto the Lord. You've got to work hard. Well, my commanding officer, he's a jerk. Or, or the owner, he, he, she's out there. It's someone a different. Then you need to treat them as God, as serving the Lord. Amen? I'm serving the Lord regardless if I like them or not. Well, they vote differently than me. That doesn't matter, does it? You need to serve them as serving the Lord. Amen? Come on, that, this is good stuff, right? You see, it says here, God will reward us as we serve them, as we serve Christ. And God wants to see how you treat them. He wants you to be wholeheartedly. Why not, man? If you, you, I don't know, how many of you remember seeing that movie? It's, it's been old, and I may refer to it as Mr. Uh, Holland's Opus. Do you remember that movie from years ago? And he wanted to be a musician, and, and he, he was a, a, a music teacher, and he would like sneak in the, at the beginning of school, and as soon as the school was out, he'd run out. He just did the bare minimum. And finally, you know, someone confronted him, the principal confronted him, said, man, you're, you're investing in kids... And that became his life calling. He began to invest in it heartedly. And you see, some of you, you're at a job, you're at a career, and you hate it, you can't stand it, and you just do the least amount that you can do just to get by. Why not say, God, let me do the best I can for you at this job. And watch God prosper you. It will happen, amen? Come on, amen? Amen. Can you serve someone else well? Do you treat them well? Is your attitude right? You see, because if you can't serve unbelievers well, you're going to struggle passing the stewardship test. Amen? This is good preaching, right? You see, Joseph passed the test. He prospered at everything that he did. He was, he was a slave. Slaves in those days had no rights. And even though he had no rights, even though everything Potiphar had did not belong to him, he would never gain anything from it, he did his best. He treated it well. He, he prospered. And God's hand was upon him because he had the right attitude. You see what I'm getting at? I'm, I know I'm going a little long because so this builds the sermon here. Because God was with Joseph, God prospered his work. And God blessed him. Right? Think about this for a moment. Would it be okay if that happened to you, that God prospered everything you did? Would that be okay? No, so no, I don't want God's blessing on my life. So yeah, but you know what happens is you've got to be a good steward first. You may not own that stuff, you may not have any rights for it, but you've got to treat that as the Lord gives it to you. Amen? Would you mind if God prospered your marriage? Would you God mind that if God prospered your children? Would you God mind that God prospered your job, your health, your mind, your relationship? Would that be okay? then you have to be a good steward. Amen? Learn this lesson of stewardship because the good news is God wants to. He is waiting in heaven. I want to prosper you. I want to bless you. But you're, you're stuck on this one thing because you keep getting stuck on this thing. And God wants to move you forward so He can prosper everything about you by you being a good steward of everything God gives you. Amen? This is good preaching. It's really quiet in here right now. And so if you and I can learn these keys of being a faithful servant, we will go to the next level. I know it's, it flies in the face of this world. Our world says, be large, be in charge. Take, you, you, don't take, you don't take it from anyone. You just, you just make and you be the boss. You be in charge and you make everyone serve you. That's not, that's not even the gospel. The gospel calls us to serve. Amen? Number two, let's talk about this for a moment. Let's move on. Number two, prospering. Listen to this. Okay, don't, some of you are going to check out. Some of you are going to walk out. Some of you are going to pull out your phone and start texting. Please don't do that. Prospering is not a bad word. Say that. Prospering is not a bad word. 
If it's in the Bible, then it's probably a good word. But the problem is, is mankind has taken the word prosperity and made it into greed. Big difference. Amen? There's a big difference between being prospered by God and being greedy. And so, so if, you, if you're going to look at this just for a few moments, let's get this record straight. Prospering is a godly word. And whenever God restores a truth to the church, Satan tries to deposit an error. In fact, when, when God began to restore the truth of biblical prosperity, a handful of people got tempted and they turned it into greed. And that's the blab and grab it. You know, you can have a billion dollars and, and you can rub my, my genie Bible and I will bless you and you'll have all that stuff. And that's not what God's saying. You can have all that stuff, but it's so that you will be a blessing to those around you. And you see, here's a couple of things. You can write them down if you want. You can follow. The first thing is what biblical prosperity is not. There's two false concepts. The first is, false concept number one, prosperity is excess. I mean, who wouldn't like to have $10 million sitting in the bank, right? Who wouldn't like to know that when you open your cupboards, it's just full of food. You open your refrigerator, it just, it's always food. I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not always real life, is it? Now, some of you might have that $10 million, and, and God bless you. You need to give it to God, too. Amen? Uh, that's a little extra there. Anyway, but, but you see, the false concept is that excess is prosperity. And we think, we think if I just have more, I'm going to be prosperous. And God can prosper you with little you have. Prosperity is not excess. We, we have this concept, if I just had all this stuff, if I had 50 pairs of shoes, if I had 10 cars, if I had you know, all this stuff, I would be blessed. I'm being prosperous. And that's not what it is. In fact, our concept of prosperity is more the concept of hoarding. Hoarding is a sickness. Hoarding is a lack of faith. Come on, Amen. There's nothing wrong with being a good steward. No, well, Pastor Sam, you say I shouldn't have a 72-hour kit. I shouldn't have food stored up. No, you, you should do that. But if you're beginning to hoard more than you are using and giving, then you have a, a problem. In fact, it's called gluttony. In fact, gluttony is a sin. Amen? You see, hoarding or gluttony is a state of mind in which the person never feels he has enough to satisfy him. Gosh, we could have an apocalypse Next week, we can have zombies all over. And if I don't have a year's worth of food, you need to stop watching TV, number one, probably. Okay? And, and, and seriously, you need to say, God can provide. I mean, yes, have some set aside and, and be a good steward, but don't be so obsessed with that. Amen? False concept number two, prosperity means that all our future needs should be provided for well ahead of time. You see, gener generally, people don't worry about what they have. We worry about our future needs. And prosperity, listen to this, I'm going to read this so I get it right. Prosperity does not mean tomorrow's needs is met today. But today's need is met today. You see what I'm saying? So, Pastor Stan, my kids are going to go to college, I don't have any money. Hey, I'm, I'm in the same boat. And I'm praying, God, I don't have the money right now, and we're going to start setting some aside when we can, but you're going to provide for my kids' college. Because you provide today's need today. Not tomorrow's need today. Because see, the problem is, if we get tomorrow's need today, what do we end up doing? <laughs> New TV. Vacation to there. And there's nothing wrong with all that stuff. But if we're spending tomorrow's needs, what happens? We don't have tomorrow's provision. And God knows that. Amen? So these, these are some godly things about provision. Matthew 6.25, listen to this. 
Therefore, I tell you not to worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? See, God's saying, don't worry about that stuff. I got you covered. Then down to Matthew 6.31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows, listen, He knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Isn't that awesome? You should be clapping and cheering and, and just this sigh of relief. Oh, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. God will take care of me tomorrow in tomorrow. He'll take care of my niece today, but He'll take care of my niece tomorrow in tomorrow. Amen? Come on, Amen? So these are, these are some false concepts of prosperity which has slipped into the American church. Why would you be bothered to know that God wants to prosper you? Why is that? Because see, whenever a pastor or a preacher excuse me, begins to talk about prosperity, we shut them off. Or we say, oh, heretic, don't listen. Oh, pastor's talking about giving. Oh, talking about prosperity. But it's in the Bible. Are you crazy? Learn all of God's truths. Amen? Not just some of the truths. You see, so the devil then begins to, to, to mess up our minds. I mean, why wouldn't you want God to prosper your health, your relationships, your marriage, your singleness, your kids, your job, so that you can be a blessing to those around you? Why, why is that bad? Amen? Isn't this good preaching? Come on, if you want to be prosperous... You're saying, God wants to prosper me so I can bless other people, not just me. And there's nothing wrong. The Bible says it's okay for you to enjoy the fruit of your labor. Nothing wrong with having money set aside for retirement. Nothing wrong with having a nice house, nice car, nice shoes, and all that stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. The problem is when you begin to worship that stuff, when you begin to hoard that stuff, then you miss the word of prosperity. And that's where the American church has gone wrong. We've got into this, well, if I, if I have this, in fact, Olivia and I were talking about this. We were driving through Leesburg and we saw these big houses. They were huge. If you've ever driven through uh, 15 to 7, whatever, back there, there's some huge houses. And, we're, and, we, and we were saying, well, why do some of them don't have decks? And we're like, you know what, probably because they can't afford it. Because they spent all the money on the house. And you see, when we lived in Salt Lake City, there was this concept amongst our friends that are Mormons... Uh, that, that God blessed them. If they had a big house and lots of cars, they were blessed by God. And we would drive by these houses and the houses would be empty of furniture and they would have sheets up on, on their windows as, as uh, curtains because they, couldn't, they bought this big house but they couldn't afford to fill it. And they had this mindset, if I have a big house and big cars and nice cars, I am blessed by God. But yet they were empty inside. And you see that same mentality falls into the Christian church. Well, blessing means, prosperity means, and we get messed up with that. Amen? The Bible clearly says God wants to prosper you in everything that you do. He really wants you to succeed. Do you understand that? So don't shy away when the Bible talks about prosperity or the gospel or a pastor talks about biblical prosperity. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. You doing good? Genesis 26, 12 and 13. When Isaac, then Isaac sowed in the land and reaped in the, in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord, listen to this, the Lord blessed him and the man began to prosper and continue prospering until he became prosperous. Can you see that? Three times God uses the word prosperous or prosper. It's a biblical word. Do you understand that? I mean, if you're a farmer and you plant one seed and it grows to a hundredfold, that's prosperity. I mean, he could plant for the next year. He can have money and, and seed for the next year and, and feed his family and help his, his neighbors and, and those who need help. Amen? Third John 2. 
Beloved, listen, this is what, what it says. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Let me read it to you in the message version. He says, we're the best of friends. And he says, I pray for good fortune in everything you do for your good health and that every, your everyday affairs prosper as well as your soul. Why is it wrong for us to pray that over other people? It's not. You see what the, John was saying? I want you to prosper in everything. Amen? Listen to this. The Hebrew word for prospering means to push forward. To make progress. The Greek word for prospering means to help on the road. So think about this just for a second. In other words, if you prosper other people, you help them along the road. If God prospers you, He helps you along the road. He moves you forward. Isn't that a good concept? How would you like it if God would push you forward in your marriage? How would you like it if, you, if God would push you forward in your job and your career? I mean, we wouldn't say, no, God, quit, stop, stop, stop moving me forward. I don't want to be moving forward. I want to stay stuck. Right? You're like, what's wrong with me? I want God to prosper me. I want God to move me along the road, farther down the road than I could have physically moved myself. That's prospering. Do you see what I'm saying? It doesn't always involve money. It might. But it involves a lot of things. And it's really up to you and I whether we're going to walk in the blessings and allow God to move us forward or we're going to stay stuck because we have this bad mentality of prosperity or other scriptures. You see what God wants to do in your life? He wants to prosper. So let's move to the next thing. Number three. The key to prospering is the presence of the Lord. It's the presence of the Lord. It's not going to a faith conference. You need to have faith. We'll talk about faith in a moment. It's not buying someone's book or CDs. It's, it's the presence of the Lord. Those books and those CDs may help you, but it's the presence of the Lord. The key to prospering is quite simply the presence of the Lord. Amen? If God is with you, He's walking with you and talking to you as a friend, you're going to prosper because everything God does, He prospers at. Think about that. God never fails, right? Would you agree with that? Therefore, if you're walking with God, the less likely chance that you're going to fail versus you being out on your own trying to do your own thing, right? So why not say, God, I want to be in your presence. I want to walk with you. I want to know you. I want to be with you so you can bless me and prosper me so I can be a blessing to other people. Isn't that okay? You see, God never fails in his ventures. So instead of you and I trying to do all things by ourselves, you know what, I'm just going to walk with God because there's a blessing in walking in the presence of God. Joseph was blessed by God because God's presence, his manifest presence was on him. Isn't that awesome? Genesis 39.3 When his master saw that the Lord was with him and the Lord gave him success in everything that he did. So the question for us, does our boss, does our company recognize that God is with us? Do they recognize that that their company is being blessed because we are their employees, because God's presence with us is with us? This is what the palace test is all about. Is that we are faithful and God will prosper us and God will bless our businesses, our companies, our nation, our government, whoever you work for, right? The Lord wants to bless you, but it comes through being in His presence. So seek His presence first, amen? Don't seek a formula. If I, if I get on my knees and if I pray this certain way, then if I go to this conference and I write the Bible out in this certain way, no, it's the presence of God that brings the blessings of God. Amen? The next thing, number four, 
The key to the presence of the Lord now, to get into His presence, the key to the word is the word obedience. We love that word, don't we? Come on, we love the word obedience, especially when someone else has to obey us. Right? When you're a boss or you're, you're a, uh, an NCO or, 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 or a shop manager or a project manager, you want those under you to obey you, right? But we struggle when we're supposed to obey someone else. Come on, can I get a good amen to that? Come on, we, we like when people obey us, but we don't always like to obey. Right? And whether you like it or not, the word obedience is part of God's kingdom. The simple truth is that obedience is the key to the presence of God. If we can't obey God, then we're not going to walk with God. You see, because God is holy, He is righteous, He cannot have disobedience in His presence. And this is where the American church has fallen off, where lots of people say, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus, but if you love Jesus, you're going to obey what Jesus says. And I see lots of people in this country, they say they love Jesus, but their lifestyle does not obey Jesus, so they're not obeying God. They're just fooling themselves. And we, you and I, fool ourselves sometimes. I love Jesus, but yet if you're disobeying Jesus, you're not in His presence. You're not being obedient. Right? Second Chronicles 17, 3-4 says this, The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years he walked in the ways his father David had followed. He did not consult the Baals or false gods, but sought the God of his father and followed his commands rather than the practices of Israel. The Lord was with Jehoshaphat because he obeyed. Say that word, obeyed. Second Samuel 18. David was blessed because he obeyed. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David. You see, he was afraid, but left Saul. So he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops in their campaign. In everything he did, he had great success. Why? Because the Lord was with him. You see that? Because David obeyed. Why did God leave Saul? Because Saul disobeyed. Why did God bless David? Because David obeyed. You want to be blessed? You must obey God. When God puts a boss over you, a commanding officer, an NCO, a supervisor, a parent, a, a, a co-worker who's, who's the, the shift uh, you know, person, you're to obey them. Whether you like them, oh, they're young, they're, they're like 25 years old, I'm 55, I know more than, then why aren't you the supervisor? Maybe because you're struggling with obedience. Maybe. Maybe God's just testing you to see if you're going to grow up and mature. Maybe because, who knows? I don't know, but grow in this area. Obedience brings the blessing in the presence of God. Amen? Isaiah 119. I'm giving you lots of scriptures. You write these down. You don't have to write the whole things. If you're willing and obedient, willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. You notice it says that you must be willing and obedient in order to prosper. Are you getting this? It's possible, listen, it's possible to be obedient but not willing. Right? Those of you who have teenagers and if a parent says to a teenager, you cannot go outside until you clean your room and if you've never seen a kid stomp up the stairs, you know, and they're up there cleaning their room, they're being obedient but they're not being willing. And how many times do we do that to God? I'll write this tight check. I'll work in the nursery, but... 
I'll serve out there, but when I'm going to be blessed by God, you're not. Because you're not willing. Why not? Oh, praise God, I get to give money back to God. I get to serve the parents who, who can come to church and I can serve their kids and their children. I can clean up. I can do whatever ministry because I'm doing this because God wants me to do it. Then you will prosper. Amen? When your boss says, go clean the toilets, well, I got an MBA. I don't do that kind of stuff. I've been in the service 25 years. I don't do that stuff. My attitude is, if it's for the team to go forward, I'll do whatever I need to do. Is that your attitude? Or is it, no, I'm, I'm better than that. I don't do that anymore. I don't change diapers anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't work with little newbie workers. But what you can speak wisdom into these newbie workers. You can help them learn. Amen? This is good stuff, right? Willing and obedient. It's your choice. In fact, I've got to give you another scripture. Deuteronomy 11. I'm just throwing this like a machine gun at you. See, I'm, I'm setting before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. The curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from, from the way I commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. You see, we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about working for salvation. We're not talking about the doctrines. The Bible is very clear. You are saved by grace, not by works. Amen? But we're talking about obedience, scriptural obedience. We're talking about the doctrine of obedience. Amen? You're saved by grace, not by works. So we're not talking about you working. We're talking about you obeying. Because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey what? My commands. They're called the Ten Commandments for a reason. They're commandments. They're not suggestions, right? God's presence is everywhere. But His manifest presence is only gasped, grasped by those who obey and are willingly ready to obey. Do you see what I'm saying? His presence is everywhere, but you wonder why are they so blessed? Because they're obedient and they're willingly obedient. And they want to be in God's presence. And my heart's desire is that I walk and talk with God and speak to Him as a friend and His manifest presence on me. And more so, that's my prayer for you. That you walk and talk with God and you know Him and you hear His voice and He hears your voice and you are blessed in everything that you do so that people can come to know Jesus Christ. And you can be a blessing to this country, to your country, to this nation, to this world. Amen? Obedience is the key to a life that is marked by the presence of God. The fifth thing, we're almost getting done. The, the key to obedience now is then faith. Okay, To obey, you have to have faith, right? Come on. If you truly believe in something, you're going to do it, right? If you believe tofu is going to make your cholesterol go down, you're going to eat it, even though it has no flavor. Right? It, seriously. So, so if you believe God wants to bless you, you're going to have faith in everything that He says. Amen? You see, a farmer has faith in the seed that they plant. Right? A farmer, they work, they sweat, they, they go through a lot, and they plant a seed, and they have faith that that seed is going to grow a crop in a certain amount of time. And so the problem in America is we don't want to do that anymore. We want the blessings of God. We want, we want God's presence right now, but we're not willing to wait and plant seeds. We're not willing to trust in God. You see, every day, you and I place faith in inanimate objects, right? When you get your car, you have faith that that car, when you walk by, when you press that button, open the, key, the door, it's going to work, right? 
You have faith, blind faith. You're going to get in there. You're going to put that key in the car. What? Right? You have, even though you have no idea how internal combustion works, you have no idea about the cylinders, the camshaft, the oil, the fuel mixture. You know, the, you don't. You don't. You just. In fact, when you get on a plane, you have blind faith in the pilot, the crew, and the plane. Wow. You see, when you turn on the hot water at your house or at the office or at the church, you have blind faith. Even though water's coming out cold, you have faith that in a few moments the water's going to come out hot, right? You see, it's sad because too many Christians have more faith in a water heater than they do God. Because they're not willing to wait. They want God right now. They want the blessings. And see, well, I tried that prayer thing and the water was cold, but you turned it off. You've got to keep praying. Faith is a continual thing. You've got to keep praying because I'm telling you, it's going to get hotter than you can believe. The power of God is going to work in your life more so. And you see, you've got to leave that faucet on in faith. Regardless of what's going on. Well, I've been praying for 20 years, Pastor Shannon. It just doesn't work. Keep praying because it's going to get answered one day. Have faith in God. Amen? You may not see it, but just trust it. God, I know. Because, we, again, we have more faith in inanimate objects than we do the God who created all the stuff. Have faith in Him. Amen? Believe in Him. Expect Him to work. Leave that faith faucet on. If we believe, we will obey. And if we obey, we will eat the good of the land. Exodus 19.5 Now if you obey me fully and keep my commands, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possessions, although the whole earth is mine. And even children, listen to this children, I know you don't hear this very much, but children, to be blessed in life, you need to obey your parents. What? Where did that come from, Pastor? It's, it's part of the message, don't worry. Ephesians 6, 1-3 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. There is a, there is a whole campaign to, to make parents look like idiots. The TV shows mom and dad are just oblivious or self-centered or they're idiots. I don't like that. And, and, and it's okay to talk around mom and dad. It's, it's okay to cry about it. That is not even biblical. The Ten Commandments say to obey your parents, honor your parents. And then it says in Ephesians, honor your parents so that it may go well with your life. Your friends, young man and young lady, might badmouth their parents, but don't you get in that trap. You're dishonoring your mom and dad in the sight of God by, well, yeah, my mom is so clueless or my dad is such an idiot. Don't go down that road. Because here's the biblical blessing. If you want God to obey to bless you, you've had to obey the Word of God. You've got to have faith in God that He's going to bless you. Parents aren't perfect. Come on, amen? My mom and dad weren't perfect. I'm not perfect as a parent. But here's the problem now. Let's move it on to adults. You see, our world is in the mess it is because we don't teach this principle, nor do we practice it ourselves. You badmouth your boss. You badmouth the pastor. Not this pastor. You talk behind your boss's back. You, you disrespect him. You disrespect your super. You disrespect your pastor. You disrespect the elders. You disrespect. And you wonder why our nation is in trouble. I mean, it's so easy for us to say, oh, Bush was that or Obama's this. You need to stop that. If you don't agree with them, that's fine. And, and you disagree with them, write them a letter. I disagree with you. But you are still the call to Mr. President. Because God says to pray for those over us. Well, what if they're like Hitler? Then you need to pray that God removes them. 
Amen. Or God saves them. Do you see what I'm saying? You see, when you can't obey authority, then you're showing a disrespect to God and you have no faith in God. I'm bringing it back. You see, in order to trust God, because see, God wants, when your mom and dad, teenager tells you not to speed, because mom and dad got a ticket. And they understand. There's a price to pay. Or maybe mom and dad crashed their car. Don't go party because it's foolish. Maybe mom and dad just barely saved their lives. And they're like, don't do that. What do you know? You're just, you're just old. You don't know. Mom and dad know. And when God says not to do something, He knows. Not because He sinned, but He knows the destructive work. Or the problem it has. And so when you can't obey God, you can't have faith. Good preaching. Amen. But if you want to have faith, listen, thank you. You have to obey. In fact, man, I'm running out of time. Write down Hebrews 3, 16, 19. I'm not going to read it today. It's going to be there. Write that down. It talks about why the children of Israel missed the promised land because they had disbelief and they disobeyed. Disbelief and disobedience are the two worst things to your faith. In order to walk in obedience and to His commands, you must believe and have faith in Him. Amen? The last thing, and I want to finish because this is a good message. I wish I had more time. Number six, the key to faith. The last thing, the key to faith is hearing the Word. Hearing the Word. Pastor Stan, you talk about this a lot. I'm so sick of it. Because the Scripture says in Romans, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the words of Christ. It's not the words of Socrates. It's not the words of Einstein. It's not the, the Washington Post. It's not... Fox News, it's not CNN, it's not the Republic, it's the Word of God that's going to increase your faith. Amen. Amen. You must make it priority. The key to living in faith, to have that faith, is hearing the Word of God. Amen. The key to having faith, listen, let me take a drink of water. The key to having faith is not obeying first, but hearing first. Because when you hear the Word of God, it confronts you, it challenges you. And then you can obey. But if you never hear the Word of God, you can't walk in the ways of God because you don't know the ways of God. Are you catching this? So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God or the Word of Christ. We're supposed to be doers of the Word, but that's right. Unless you hear the Word, you can't be a doer of the Word. Amen? You must hear the Word. Why do you think churches place a high importance on preaching and teaching of the Word? Because faith comes by hearing. And this is why the enemy tries to keep you from coming to church on Sundays. The car breaks down. The boss calls. Something happens that prevents you. Why? Because he knows that if you hear the Word of God, you're going to change. And he's going to do all that he can to keep you from... Why do you think there's so much junk on the internet and the TV and there's so much stuff? I remember the days when you never had stuff to put in your ears. Right? And you can actually read the Word of God and hear it. Why do you think it's hard to get up on Sunday mornings instead of going to Bible study or Sunday school? Because Satan doesn't want you to grow. The devil knows faith comes by hearing. So he tries all that he can to keep you from hearing the Word of God. And you must, listen, it is your call. You must make hearing the Word of God a higher priority than getting a few extra jobs on Sundays. Or sleeping in because you're too tired. You know what? You can sleep on Saturday. Come on, amen? 
Well, Pastor, so, and I, I'm surprised people still say this to me. Pastor, Sunday's the only day I work hard all week. It's the only day I get to sleep in. Then go to bed earlier. But you don't get it, Pastor. I work hard. Maybe I don't understand that, but you can still go to bed earlier. And then God created this awesome thing called coffee. And you can drink a couple cups of coffee on Sunday morning and you can come to church and begin to hear the Word of God. Can I also be nice to you? Turn off the computer games on Saturday night. Turn off the, the movies on Saturday night. Come on, this is good preaching. You've got to make priority. Do I want the Word of God? Do I want faith? Or do I want the ways of the world that are destroying my life? Amen? Amen. Come on, priority is I want to grow in God. I want to hear the Word of God. You see, the more faith you have, the more you'll be able to obey. The more you obey, the more the presence of God will manifest in your life. And the more you live in the presence of God, the more you will be prosperous and succeed. You see, each of you can prosper and be successful, but it begins by hearing the Word of God. I'm going to offend you some more. You need to make hearing the Word of God top priority in your life. That's why every morning I try, and I don't always get it, but I try I try to read my Bible. I read, I read the Bible. I, yes, I glance at the paper because I've got to wake up a little bit, have my cup of coffee. Then I pull out my life journal. I do my life journal, and I read the Bible. Sometimes I don't get to it. And then when, at, when we have dinner at nighttime, we make it a priority that we try to, when we can, as a family, we do the devotion because we actually physically read the Scriptures and we go through the devotion. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and the hearing by the Word. And so you've got, your kids need to know more about Jesus than the Washington Wizards. They need to know more about Jesus than they need to know about Bruno. Or One Direction. Or Willie Nelson. Or whatever you're listening to. You know, or Vivaldi. I love Vivaldi. Okay, whatever. You, you, your kids need to know more about the Word of God than they need to know about software. Man, that's good preaching, Pastor Stan. Your kids need to know more about God than anything else in this world. But it comes by you turning off Sports Center, turning off CNN, turning off Fox News, turning off Microsoft, turning off Honey Boo Boo, turning off Duck Hunters, everyone, Duck, whatever that stuff is. You know, all those shows. I love certain shows on TV. But sometimes I can get too much of that stuff. And I've got to turn it off. I mean, I love God's football team, the Denver Broncos. And I thank God that I can't watch them all the time because I no, I'm just kidding. It's not that important to me anymore. You've got to make a Bible reading plan important. You've got to make Sunday services a top priority because your kids learn from you. And if, if Sunday's not a priority to you, it's definitely not going to be a priority for them. And we wonder why kids in droves are leaving the church because mom and dad, Sunday's not a priority to them anymore. I understand you work. I understand that. I, I had to work a job when I was selling shoes. I had to, I had to, some Sundays I couldn't even be there. Or when I worked in the restaurant, I had to just be at church, at work. And here's what I did. God, I thank you for this job, but I want to be at church on Sunday. And so, Lord, either change my shift or give me a better job. And guess what happened? I work every Sunday now. So you're like, oh my goodness, no way. But... In the interim, God gave me a better job so I could go to church on Sunday. And I could be involved. I could teach Sunday school. I could help out. I could do whatever the church asked me to do. Gladly. And my faith grew. And I'm not saying, because some of you, I know you have, and I do pray blessing a job, but here's also what I pray, if you don't mind this. Too bad anyway. I pray that you're free on Sundays. I pray that your job doesn't need you on Sundays. That you can work Monday through Saturday or, or Monday through Friday so you are able to be here on Sundays. 
Last couple things, okay? This is very important. Listen to sermons when you miss Sundays. The sermons are on our websites. Go to iTunes, as I said. Do you want to be blessed and, and, and successful? Make hearing the Word of God priority. Then be faithful. Be faithful. Be a good steward of what God gives you every day, right? You don't understand, Pastor Stan. You don't live in my household. Man, you don't live in my household. It's awesome. We have a couple scrapes. I do things I shouldn't do. I, I, you know, that happens. But you want a better relationship at home? Then be a good steward of that relationship. You want a better job? Then be a good steward of what God has given you. You want to be a better student? Then be a good steward of that. Amen? Faithful in the small things. Colossians 3.23 Whatever you do, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men. Be a good employee. Be a good student. Do your best in the ministries that you have at the church. Do, do your best in your ministries outside the church. Spend time in God's Word and watch your faith increase. Listen to this. Matthew 25, 21, the last scripture. Matthew 25, 21. Do I have it? Is it there, last scripture? Here it is. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to end. I know I ran over a little late, but I want to have time of prayer in a moment here. But I want you to be blessed. I want you to be blessed beyond all measure, but it comes through being obedient, being a good steward. Amen? Would you just close your eyes? Father, I pray for my friends here. That, Father, we are good stewards of everything you've given us. Our jobs, our careers, our families, the the possessions, whether they might be one or, or many, God, that we're good stewards of them. That we're good stewards of our relations. We're good stewards of our faith. We're good stewards of the money you give us. We're good stewards of the children, of our grandchildren, our relationships with our family, our friends. We're good stewards of our marriage. We're good, uh, good stewards of our singleness, God. So that you can bless us in all things. And Father, we want to be like Joseph, who, who your hand was on him and he was blessed in everything. that He never complained. He just worked hard. Even when he was thrown in the prison, you blessed him, God. Even in the prison. And then you raised him to a place. And Lord, there are some of us in this room, we are not at a place of a higher level because we are complaining and griping about everything you've given us instead of being a good steward of it. I know this was a tough message for some of us, God, but you want us to prosper in the biblical sense. And that might include money, but that includes faith, that includes family, that includes friends, that includes being prosperous, pushing us farther along down the road than we could have been by ourselves. So this morning, God, I want to open up the altars because you want some to respond today. I want you to bless us and prosper us because we obey willingly and because we are good stewards in the small things of life. Father, move in the hearts and the minds of those that that want to come down today. Move us forward in you, God. Let us be prosperous in everything we do in Jesus' name. Friends, as as Haley's going to come and and they're going to do some music, if you want God to prosper, you say, you know what, Pastor Stan, I want to be a better steward of the things God's given me. I want you to come to the front. Come on to the front. If you want to come and pray, if the worship team's coming right now, say, I want, I want to be a good steward of the little things God's given me. I want you to come to the front. Or say, you know what, Pastor Stan, I've had some false teachings about prosperity, and I want to learn about biblical prosperity. I want you to come to the front right now. Come on. Come to the front. So you know what, Pastor Stan, I want God's manifest presence in my life. In my life, I want you to come right now. I'm just going to pray with you. I'm going to note with oil. There's nothing magic I'm going to do. I just want to pray with you. Some of you see your pastor said, I want my faith to increase. Then I want you to come down. Say, I want, I want God to increase my faith. Come on down. We want to pray with you. Say, I want God's manifest presence in my life. I want to be a good steward of all that he's given me. I, I want God to prosper me in everything that I do. I want my faith to increase. 
I want to hear the word of God more so I can do more for God. Maybe, listen to some of you need to repent of disobedience. Maybe you want to come down. I'm not here to judge you. I'm here to help you. I'm your friend. I'm your pastor. I love you. So come on down. Say, you know what? I want to be a better steward of what God's given me. I want to be delivered from false teachings of prosperity because I want to prosper as God wants me to prosper. I want the manifest presence of God to be in my life. Come on down. I want to hear God. I want to obey God. I, I want to obey Him. I want my faith to increase. Come on down right now. Anyone else? Come down. I'm going to pray here in a moment. Father, we want to obey you in everything. want to come down. Come on, I want to pray with you. I want, I want you to prosper in your soul. I want you to prosper. Come on down in God's presence right now. We love you, Jesus. Here's the thing now. I'm going to let you go. You've heard the word of God today. It's up to you now what you do with this word of God. I want you to be blessed. I mean, I pray over you every week. As as I'm driving, as I'm in the sanctuary praying, I pray over you. I see your face. I pray God's blessing, but it's going to come through obedience. 